0: Hello and welcome to the 39th episode of Wiping out the norm. This is your host Radhika Bajoria, and my guest for today is someone who just sold her company for Rs 500 crore to a conglomerate called ITC. She is none other than Suhasini Sampath, the founder of Yoga Bar. Being a chartered accountant when she pitched her idea of Yoga Bar to investors, people questioned her saying that do you really want to become a baker having studied so much. But Suhasini didn't give up on her vision. Although she holds an MBA from London Business School and Wharton, she went ahead and established Yoga Bars in 2014 and grew the company to a remarkable revenue of Rs. 100 crores. Recently, Yoga Bar and Suhasini made headlines as she sold Yoga Bar to ITC for an impressive sum of Rs. 500 crore. In my conversation, she talks about this acquisition and how she built a brand that is now recognized by every consumer in India and how she bought healthy eating in India through Yoga Bar. This was a very interesting conversation that I had with Suhasini and I hope you enjoy listening to us. Uh, Thanks Suhasini for doing this with us. I know it's been long since we've been talking to each other but finally we've gotten the time to do it. So welcome to our show Wiping Out The Norm. You've clearly but the the norm in the way that you've been one of the first few ones in the D2C space who have found a strategic acquirer acquirer, uh, in the form of a conglomerate. And I'd love to know about your story, although it's very much known now in the news, but few nitty gritties out there that the early stage founders would want to know from you. That's what we'll uh, talk about today. So thanks for uh, doing this with us and excited to chat with you.
1: Thanks Radhika for having me. I know like you did a post when the yeah. acquisition news was announced and I saw like people pinging me from all over. And ever since then, it's been so exciting to like see young people like you go out and do yes. there and do different things. And I said, you know, I must tell you my story. So, yeah. so I'm very glad to actually be on the show. Um, so, so with Yoga ball, actually the story is quite hmm. nice. My sister and me initially were living abroad yeah. and we used to go to this yoga class together. And one day when we came out of the yoga class, we picked up a KIND bar. Ah. And KIND had become a billion dollar company by then okay. in the US. And I just looked at the bar and she said, if I had a bar like this, I would call it yoga bar. And they At that point in time, there was nothing healthy to mm. eat in India, right? Um And I said, we should trademark it, whether yeah. we start a company or not. And subsequently, a few years later, after I initially came back before her from the US. And um it just seemed like we just were still selling India may at least but over a period of time, you know, um, we found an audience and here we are from a yeah. 600 square feet kitchen to now a 60,000 square feet factory fully automated.
0: He said that uh, you will, you Started out in a kitchen, you know, where you tried out the flavors. So yeah. how did you decide your early set of team members who could work with you in that kitchen to, yeah. for, uh, you know, prepare the formulations and get the product out? So actually the
1: interesting story about the way we did our formulations, yeah. right? Like we are essentially a company that says that people should eat the kind of food you cook at home. Mm-hmm. And that was the premise. What I Today, everything that Yoga Bar actually gives to its consumers is stuff that My daughter consumes, Mm -hmm. or my husband consumes, my mom and sister consume, right? And literally, like, you can audit my house today. Mm -hmm. If you go and open the cupboard, the only packaged food you'll find is your baba. So I I think the premise, a step back, is to always have ingredients that you can see in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. So 100% natural, you know, food company, no e-numbers, no any of that. Mm -hmm. And the way we worked, actually, is initially my mom, my sister and me, used to do a lot of these formulations. We worked with a lot of chefs and, you know, like, home chefs yeah. to kind of improve the taste. But we have this thesis that these are the ingredients that we would put into our product. Mm. Like we would, and, and the thesis was quite clear. We would use whole grain nuts and seeds. Yeah. And 83 to 90% of the product is just whole grain nuts mm. and seeds. And then you work on the flavors with like chefs, with like yeah. my mom putting in a little bit of flavors mm. and all of that. So the initial days was literally, we didn't have any initial employees. We had like one office boy and one yeah. person doing the accounting. And essentially Anandita, me and my mom. Mm. Usually wrapping the bars with clean paper yeah. and like baking the bars ourselves. <laughs> and that's really how we started. Well,
0: how did you have this conviction that what you're making will have a market and customers will love it? Did you have that conviction when you started as you have today?
1: Did we know for sure it could work? Absolutely not. It was a lot of hard work. Food as a category yeah. to build and see is really hard.
0: Yeah.
1: Because the Indian consumer is extremely discerning. And the only way to build a food brand is if you have a lot of repeat sales. Like yeah. you need to have those wonderful mm-hmm. products that people really want to make a habit. Mm-hmm. It's a little different from personal care where, you know, you can you cannot really make up the difference between two products. Yeah. In food, taste is perceptible, health benefit is perceptible, mm-hmm. price is perceptible, everything's perceptible. Mm-hmm. So did we have the conviction? No, but very, very optimistic about the future. Absolutely, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, that building a category in the food space itself is very difficult, and plus you had your degrees to yeah. back yourself. So, yeah. did you have a backup plan in your mind that what if it doesn't work? What will you do?
1: Um, I think the backup is only yourself. Right? Yeah. You, you, you know, you can't go into anything assuming that you can have a proof backup. Mm. But, but what you can do is really limit the way you have your own needs, right? Like, I mean, what do you need a backup for? Like, in the end, it's only about food, clothing and shelter, mm-hmm. right? Like, and if you, if you kind of limit the kind of things you want out of your life, that is your backup. So I, I, I do believe that when we went about and, and we're lucky that way. We come from a family where we don't really accumulate too many things. Mm. I mean, we we are going to a, to a system, like my husband and me have often talked about it, where we have 100 objects, 100 mm. objects that you need. Mm. So that if you have to pack up and leave to live anywhere in the world, you yeah. can literally fold your bags, take your 100 objects and leave, right? Yeah. Now, that's your backup. Your backup is that if nothing works, you will go back to finding a way of living that can give you your food, clothing mm. and shelter, right? Um Also, interestingly, the the reason why we kind of set up a food business, although it was a less glamorous business to set up, is because we believe that if you have to change something fundamental, it's better to change it in what could impact people's life Mm -hmm. the most. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that in yoga, at Yoga Bar, in respect of the other things that we achieved, Mm -hmm. the thing that we're most proud of is we held everybody else accountable to Mm -hmm. creating healthy food. I mean, I do believe... Larger MNCs became far more conscious, far healthier. The kind of products they offered consumers mm. after Yoga Bharat set yeah. the pace for becoming the healthiest FMCG company out there. Yeah, I think we held everybody else accountable. So, mm. and we take that credit. We said mm. we were the front runners. We came in much before people were even thinking about health food. Hmm. And we we created the ecosystem for health food in a a lot of ways.
0: But you also said that there were a lot of challenges in the D2C market when you started. And, you know, building a brand is is not easy. So can you mention a few instances where you felt like, okay, am I doing the right thing? Should I give up? Should I not? Because we, we do talk about successes, but very few times we talk about our failures and we learn the most from them. So could you cite some examples
1: um, when we started out, the challenge was the Amazons and Flipkarts of the world hadn't built out their food business at all. Mm. So it meant that there was no easy way to get to the consumer. Mm. The advantage of having online platforms is communication to a consumer becomes very, very easy. When you set up as an offline business selling in 4,000 stores, the communication to build a large business is very limiting because you also raise a really small amount of mm. money. Um, I think... Um, there are two things that we sh- maybe could have done differently mm-hmm. is maybe we, we, we did bars for almost four or five years of mm-hmm. the business. I do think we could have diversified a bit early mm-hmm. on. And I do think that earlier on, we could have raised a little bit more capital. Mm-hmm. I think we were very, very conservative in the way we kind of raised capital, in the amount of capital mm-hmm. that we took on. Um, but I do think that maybe and that challenge is not there for companies today it's Mm -hmm. far easier to raise capital today than it's ever been in the past yeah
0: but why do you think you were conservative back then i think it's also a
1: question of where the market was Mm -hmm. i think we were very very early in the journey Mm -hmm. we were we're talking about a time where the mintras of the world would raise 10 million Mm -hmm. so it's a very very you know different time yeah Um, and i also think uh, from an ownership structure we also believed at that point of time that food companies need to own majority. Yeah. Uh, which I think today, maybe um, if you end up taking the visa route, mm-hmm. it's better to kind of, um, you know, be okay to give up a bit of bit more of control mm-hmm. and kind of raise a bit more money. Um, because you will have market cycles. It was difficult to see for anybody I mean a lot of DTC companies are struggling today because it was difficult for them to time the market of fundraising. Yeah markets today are not as easy as the markets mm-hmm. were before. But if you raised a lot more money, it would have been far easier to kind of tide over these times.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us how your uh, first round of angel investment looked like? How did you convince your first set of investors? Um
1: actually that's an interesting story. That interesting question. So I was actually on the board of a couple of companies I was doing the accounting outsourcing for. And Kabal happened to be the investor on the other side. Oh. And one day after a board meeting, I was asking Kaval, I was telling him about the kind bar story mm. and he was like, I'll give you some money. If you end up setting up a company, give me shares in the company oh. or else just consider this an investment because of, of me encouraging mm. entrepreneur. And that's really how we started. So it was just literally Kaval encouraging us to go out there and really try.
0: My God. That's quite interesting. Can you tell us how this process of finding a partner like ITC looked like? Because I know it takes long to decide and come on mutual terms. Yeah,
1: so actually for us, uh, even the process of looking at a strategic happened because a very, very large strategic actually was an inbound request. Hmm. So we had a lot of inbound requests. Because people wanted to foray into breakfast. Mm. And we were the largest brand after Kellogg's. Yeah. So from that perspective, there were a lot of mm. companies that had inbound requests. And then we we were in talks with at least four or five of them. Mm. And then we finally zeroed in on ITC because we do believe that they have the experience of nurturing brands. And they mm. were late to the FMCG journey, but they've managed to create such beautiful brands out of Ashirvath and Sanfis. Yeah. And, yippee and all of that and we believed that the team was super aggressive and Mm -hmm. we really liked that so um, from that perspective um we think that we found the right home. Um, I feel like well, valuation wasn't the decision-making criteria. Mm. I would say it was how much we liked the team.
0: There are so many different competitors also coming in, like Whole Truth Foods, which are catching up on the way that you've also built. So do you, any time of your competition reaching your heights, or do you feel that it's good that many people are eating more healthy choices from different other brands also? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's an interesting question. Um I think it takes a great amount of skill to have a combination of being affordable, Mm -hmm. doing health first products, because I think, you know, some of these companies have also like, you know, started doing chocolates and doing, Mm -hmm. you know, various other things that take away a bit from the brand, Mm -hmm. right? Um, um, We focus on primarily breakfast and snacking and we focus on healthy products that we would otherwise serve our own family. And I think that would take us a long way. Um, yeah, we've also built the most formidable brand in food. Mm. Like no one's come close. The closest competitors one tenth their sales. So mm. you know, from a from a perspective of yeah, you know, so it's going to take a very although a lot of these companies have also raised as much capital really? as us. So it's it's going to be difficult to get everything right. So. Mm. We don't fear it, but and we are happy for more people to come in because yeah. the more people you tell me, we believe we'll be the first ones to make this journey happen yeah. for everyone. So.
0: Yeah, like you said, you've given a sweet lesson to conglomerates. Yeah. So of course, startups will learn from them yeah. and your brand boards. What's your leadership style like? Because I'm sure it must have changed over a decade now, or has it remained the same? Um, I,
1: think, I think I'm think i quite like, I, I'm a bit soft-spoken. Yeah. I, I tend to be very firm. But but I'm also a big believer that people need to be treated equally. People need to be treated with a certain sense of fairness. Mm. So um, yeah, my leadership style is mostly listening to people but being very persistent about getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Like that, I'm in it about. Like people know that, and I don't forget very easily. I don't forget numbers easily. I don't forget tasks easily. Yeah. Um, so so I'm very persistent. Like I would keep my notes, like copious right. notes, and know that who's assigned what responsibility. Mm-hmm. So. I'm very uh, pushy when it comes to getting work done, but I don't think I've ever raised my voice in the last, I've never raised my voice at work. Yeah. I actually probably never raised my voice in it personally. So I, I'm not somebody who gets angry very easily or yeah. gets put out easily. Mm. Quite peaceful that
0: way. Yeah. <laughs> I think yoga actually has helped you build I,
1: I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just personality. I don't know that I can actually it yeah. to anything.
0: Right. And this also brings me to a follow on basis. What you said that uh, you want to get your job done, but how, how do you really get the best out of your people? How do you maintain that work culture?
1: I think I, I believe that good bosses give their teams space. Hmm. You have to give your team enough time, but hold them accountable. Hmm. Uh, and by, telling people that they can do a better job and being very uh, focused on the feedback loops mm. that you give your employees, you can bring the best out of them. I don't believe the best cultures are the ones that really harass people or mm. you know have these alpha personalities who just yeah. like through things and all of that. I think beautiful things can mm. be achieved by a group of people who just have drive, mm. who believe that working in an organization that looks after them mm. and who are given constant good feedback
0: yeah but you know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs have this culture of hire fast fire fast equally because the investors also we've never
1: in the company ever (laughs) fired anyone anybody anybody. wow not in a downturn not in any kind of system have you ever fired we've given people feedback on their performance Mm. and people might have left us for reasons because they believe they have better objectives yeah but you've never given a pencil ever wow ever
0: yeah. It's actually a good note to... Yeah, even,
1: even during the last year when our fundraise was yeah. a bit
0: pushed or whatever, we fire. We'll move into the last uh, segment of our conversation, uh, which is the rapid fire round. Starting off as to which has been your most fond childhood memory? It's
1: so many. <laughs> uh, probably living in Chitsipa apartments, and my father once, on my first birthday, bought me a really beautiful gift I remember him walking through that door and I wasn't expecting that gift. But that's that's a memory that comes to my mind immediately. Yeah.
0: And the most fond memory at Wharton?
1: At Wharton, um, there was once this boat party where we danced till like four o'clock. I couldn't even remember the time. I remember when I got home, it was daytime. But that was a very nice memory.
0: And any challenges you faced there at Wharton? I mean, it's difficult because what was
1: an exchange program. Mm-hmm. My MBA was at LBS. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult to kind of fit in because everybody else knows each other for huh. one and a half years. But funnily enough, I made lots of friends at Wharton.
0: What made you choose CA in your early Oh my career? dad
1: was a CA, ICWA lawyer, and all of that. Mm. So I think I was actually quite good at money. I uh, think I was quite good at Economics mm. and accounts. Yeah. So it seemed like the natural choice, and I wasn't very good at science at all. Mm. Very good at mathematics, extremely good at um, numbers. numbers, but mm. I wasn't good at pure sciences at all.
0: Yeah. Having said that, what would have been an alternative career for you?
1: Mm. I think I could have done quite well in media. I think okay. I'm quite, I have, I'm, I, I mean, I'm one of those people who have right brain and left brain. Mm-hmm. I would be quite, um, I can understand design very well. Mm. I understand creative stuff very, very well. So, yeah. I, could have, I could have had a pretty good career mm. doing something in media.
0: Yeah, Right. Just like uh, you interview your team members, uh, investors also interview founders sometimes before yeah. giving the money. So, was there any unconventional question that you were asked?
1: I think uh, at one point of time, somebody asked us, um, you know, what happens if founders fight? Uh-huh. Um, and I turned to them and I said, sisters, never fight. <laughs> so, I think, yeah, it was unconventional, but yeah. I when i told them that the investor totally said yeah mm-hmm. i agree my my wife and her sisters keep like they have a much better relationship than i have with my brother so yeah. so i think that's you know that is not a question but but was a very well accepted answer
0: <laughs> yeah and who would you call your mentor
1: my mentor um i mean obviously for me i've always listened to my parents so i would <laughs> say that irrespective of anything else like you need a you need somebody to sound you off on what is the right thing to do, mm. and I feel like that's always been been my parents. And I would say now, um, my I would call my conscience keeper as my husband because he will always tell me if I'm treading like even mm. a little bit here or there. But
0: apart from the family, are there any luminaries or good people in your life that you've met who have shaped the way your yes. career has taken shape? Oh,
1: okay. Um, um, well, see, different people at different points of hmm. time like there was a water a professor hmm. whom I had consulted when I said I wanted to do Yoga Bar hmm. as a company because we don't register the trademark while yeah. that was important uh, Kanan's been great, Kanan's been a great mentor like today at work, hmm. the first person that I would turn to in a difficult work situation would be Kanan and he sits on my board hmm. Um Deepak's been, like Deepak's another investor who sits from the Elevation Okay, and he's very good for um, you know, kind of like sounding off you know, certain kind of things, certain kind mm-hmm. of negotiations. So I would say multiple mentors, um, yeah. but mostly people I actually work with. But there's no mm-hmm. single person whom I would always turn to.
0: And what are the top three tips for any founder who is building a brand in this uh, food and beverages space?
1: Um, I would say the first one is, um, you know, have a lot of clarity in what your brand would do and not do. Mm-hmm. Like it don't confuse, confuse the customer. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing... A health brand, don't do chips and chocolate. No. Like, be very, very clear what your brand is doing. Second, spend a lot of time to bring very personal aspects of your personality to the brand. No. Like, I'm not a personality who can ever put anybody down. No. I'm full of positivity. I, I like, I think happiness is a very, very good emotion to transfer. Different emotions inspire different people. No. So, build a brand that really inspires you. No. Uh, and around the emotions that inspire you and translate that emotion to your consumer mm. and third most people ignore it it comes naturally to me but it might not come naturally to other people know your numbers you know mm. like net sales is after return so when you sell to somebody mm. you either get cash mm. or you get that stock mm. make sure your debtor situation is never poor
0: yeah uh, like
1: don't do don't dump don't don't build a brand from one fund cycle to the next fund cycle. Mm. Build a long sustainable brand right. which means that you need to be completely honest with how large your brand is and what are the category levers that you need to do to build your brand. Mm. So I would say be very honest about where your financial position stands with respect to how financially healthy is your business.
0: Yeah. And like you said in our earlier part of the conversation that you could have raised much more money uh, yeah. in your uh, stage. We never
1: did that. We, we, we never tried to put Use money to solve problems Mm. of the brand.
0: Yeah, so which actually brings me to the question as to what should be the right time for any founder in this space to raise money? At what point? Um, I think you should be
1: realistic about two things. I don't think there's a good enough time to raise money. I think Mm. you should be raising money as and when the business needs Mm. it. But your valuation should never trump the real value of business because then you put pressure on the business your investors pressurize you because obviously they are doing their job. They need to make money out of your investment. Mm -hmm. But you're also ending up because you've raised money at this crazy valuation. You're also offloading a lot of that unhealthy Mm -hmm. business practice to your business because you're trying to accelerate business faster than it can actually grow.
0: Yeah. And as a founder, do you believe in the concept of uh, dual class of shares where you also retain the voting control even if your equity goes down?
1: Um, No. I mean, I personally believe that if you, I mean, investors do need protection for the money that they are putting into the business mm-hmm. and it's right for them to protect that capital because yeah. at the end of the day, they have a job to do with mm-hmm. respect to their LPs, right? Mm-hmm. And you cannot, um, sideline the people mm-hmm. who actually help you grow. So I, I don't know. i, I I've lived yoga bar journey believing that. Almost every transaction that we did seemed mm-hmm. completely fair. Yeah. I don't believe that I've ever had an experience mm-hmm. where I believe that this is completely not fair. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. no, I, I do believe that investors should have the right in case. I mean, given the kind of things that are happening in the mm-hmm. ecosystem now. Yeah. I do believe the people who give you capital have a right mm-hmm. to ask you questions.
0: Right. And after, you know, strategic acquisitions, how does the role of a founder change? How does it has change for changed? us at no. all? Actually,
1: I, it's made <laughs> us work a lot harder. <laughs> Because ITC has this ability to make you feel really, uh, because they treat you so well, mm. they make you feel like you have to deliver the best job possible. So, yeah. so I, I believe, if anything, it's made us work even harder. Ah. Um, we're as independent uh, as possible as mm-hmm. we were earlier. Right. But we just feel like we need to, because there is a timeline mm. when we need to handle and we want to handle the yeah. best possible company possible. Mm-hmm. So uh we do feel a lot of pleasure to do a lot of things. Yeah. So.
0: Have you thought of uh, anything that you'll do after the handover?
1: Uh-huh. at this point in time it's just some uh <laughs> day. Yeah. But, but yeah. I probably will do something maybe in the social services space mm. or something.
0: Yeah. But that focus really helps you stay yeah. the course Absolutely. and not get distracted in the crowded market.
1: It's required.
0: Yeah. But lastly what's the last thing you did for the first time? What's the last thing I did for the first time
1: is to actually travel like yeah. We've we <laughs> yeah, we I've not travelled in the longest time. Okay. In the longest time. I haven't taken a trip in ever since I started yoga.
0: What? Yeah. I How mean much? I have mean,
1: traveled on work. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Locally, but I haven't done a holiday. Oh. So we did do one holiday. So we went to um, Sri Lanka for a bit. So yeah. that's 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 the
0: Wow, you're setting so, some high standards for
1: founders now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, each one to their own. I'm not yeah. saying that everybody has to make that choice. But yeah. I but I make that choice because if I have free time, I'm much more excited with my family. Mm, right? Rather than like, you
0: know. Yeah, true, true. But on that note, I really thank you for sharing all your insights, experiences. I really enjoyed every bit of it.